Passeris by Zihao Guang. Whitening this beach again like a blank page, the moon allows me space to alter my will. All its indifference is a different rage. I pace the sand, animal in a cage, watch footsteps vanish, pale air still whitening this beach. Again, like a blank page, words will not come. The gall of the end of an age sits bitter on the tongue, overspills all. Its indifference is a different rage. These murmurs repeat the language of sins, some legacies spat from across the hills, whitening this beach again, like a blank page, a bleached bone. Silver light falls strange on the sea. Can every story untold fill all its indifference? It's a different rage, lesser rage. No, my steps might change, tracing the script of Walcott's codicil, whitening this beach again, like the blank page. All its indifference is a different rage. Yep. So what do you think about this poem? Yeah, so the first um, very striking image, I would say, it's that this idea of the beach. Mm -hmm. And um, I think upon the very mention of the beach, the first other image that I associated that with was the ocean, how it's very vast, it's almost infinite. And I would say that kind of suggests like the infinite nature of language and all the possibilities that come along with it. Mm. And I think it also helps to really enhance the reflective uh, mood of the poem as well. Yeah, left an image of someone just strolling on the beach and then trying to think of something to write. But for us, whereas for me, I think the ocean symbolized more of consciousness rather than language. But I guess they're quite intertwined because for a poet, uh, language comes from consciousness. And when, when you're writing poetry, you're led by language. Right and you're led by consciousness. And there's something oceanic about that consciousness that you do not really know what you want to get at. And that's why, I mean, in the penultimate stanza, we see silver light falls strange on the sea. And I guess that's something that's it's like, you try to get at what you're trying to write, what you're trying to say, but it, there's something strange about it because it's not clear cut. I mean, in writing poetry, there's mist, there's fog. You need to spend time thinking about what you're trying to express really. Right, right. And I think that idea is conveyed um, very well here. So I think um, in the first stanza, the, there's a line that says, the moon allows me space to alter my will, right? Mm. And maybe here we can talk about uh, the two interpretations of will. Yeah. So that between uh, legacy and intention. Yeah. And um, what you said regarding the idea of uh, murkiness in writing yeah. where there's not really uh, a true sense of self-determination like when you're writing a piece it's not really very clear cut you don't have a very clear direction yeah from the start of it and mm. yeah it just made me think of I don't know somewhere like I read before like this idea in philosophy where uh, it, it kind of suggests that humans don't really have any true self-agency and they're controlled uh. by this uh, higher like consciousness called the will the will. And yeah, so every uh, event, every uh, choice mm. that we seemingly make is actually not of our own. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to actually the next image in the second Animal center. in a cage. Animal in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you have anything that you would like to say about that firstly? I mean, not really, but <laughs> I thought of the Jaguar randomly, like the Jaguar by Ted Hughes. I don't remember exactly what that poem was about. What's it about? being unfree and free at the same time. Uh, I haven't read it before. Okay. 
Okay, but like yeah, animal in the cage, it? I think you're talking about freedom just now, free will. Like animal in the cage, you suggest that when it comes to human existence, we're not truly free. And there's this, and I think this, um, we also get this in writing because you don't really know where we're getting at, right? And being an animal in the cage, you're free in the sense that there's a certain room for you to navigate in, but ultimately you're still within certain constraints that you can't get out of. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I what do you think about the image? Yeah, I didn't really um think of any specific animal, but mm. you mentioned about there being a room in that cage for us to so there's this limited measure of agency that, that yeah. we assign. And yeah, it's interesting. I think it very well it very much links back to that idea of the beach. Yeah. In which the the infinite sea is like right in front of us. It's within mm -hmm. our reach. But uh as far as we are concerned we are just limited to the boundary of the shore that mm -hmm. we're on yeah and uh i also see uh, this uh notion of transience mm -hmm. and temporality in the line uh watch footsteps vanish pale air still whitening this this beach mm -hmm. so uh, that's a reference to like our mortality i would yeah. say I think there's some uh, contrast between yeah. our mortality, like the how temporary our existence is and our writing compared to how the ocean, how nature has existed for so long. And it's just indifferent to our trying to make sense of our existence and trying to leave something behind, I think. Right. So there is uh, actually this sejura here, right? Where in the, the third stanza, mm -hmm. where after words will not come, there's a full stop. Yeah. And then it goes on to the goal of the end of an age. Yeah. So um maybe you want to comment on the meter here because I'm not very very uh, good at talking about meter. Oh yeah, I thought this line was quite interesting because um there are two parts to it, right? Words will not come. And that's I mean that's quite self-explanatory. Like, I mean, poet trying to find the words that he truly wants to say, the things that he truly wants to mean. And the full stop, the Sisera, it just, I mean, it perfectly represents visually the, um, the stoppage of thought, but the uncontinuity, like how hard it is, the struggle of trying to say something that you truly mean. And then we move on to something that the second part of the line, which flows more elegantly and naturally, the goal of the end of an age. I mean, there's a rhythm to it, right? Da -da 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 -da. And then, mm. yeah. And then when you look, I mean, look at the content of that part of the line, right? Of the end of an age. I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of literary tradition because you're thinking about legacy, literary tradition. Um, just thinking, writers, we don't write in a silo, right? When we write, we think about what past writers have written about. And so I'm thinking words will not come because you're not simply trying to say just what you mean. You're also thinking about, you're also struggling against what past writers have written. You're trying to participate in a literary tradition. That's so why the goal of the end of an age sits better on the tongue, overspills all, yeah. Mm, so, yeah, I see that being referenced in, in the next line, where uh, it says, these murmurs repeat the language of sin, some legacy spat from across the hills. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's quite interesting how it's uh, spat from across the hills. Yeah. It's very, um, how do I say this? It's very somewhat grotesque, mm. a bit... Uh, disgusting it's kind of like someone hurling an insult at you mm -hmm. i don't know if this is a stretch but, but you know like 
right. most Singaporean poets write in English and English isn't exactly our native language, right? So there's mm. some kind of post-colonial theme running through this poem as well, which I think is also present in Codicil. And I think this might be present right. in the language of sin because, I mean, colonialism it was a really violent time for people, for the colonized. And so we're repeating the language of sin. Why are we writing in the language of our colonizers? Yeah, oh. I think that's... That's how I approach this part. <laughs> so is that why why it's why it's whitening this this beach again? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I didn't actually think about that about uh colonial legacies. Mm. So, Maybe I was yeah. brought to that by Codicil. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a I line that maybe, I'm quite not yeah. sure about. It's a different rage, lesser rage. What do you understand by that? Right. So as I think you were commenting upon. Uh, traditions and legacies of yeah. uh, past writers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, I interpreted this statement as the, the speaker trying to ask whether a break from tradition would diminish the quality of uh, their writing or maybe writing in general. Mm-hmm. And what I think this uh, poem is trying to signal with that very definite no and the full stop that follows yeah. after is um, maybe breaking from tradition is not so much a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But it still does leave it a bit ambiguous. Yeah. Where it ends off with just, uh, where it ends off with tracing the script of Walcott's codicil, whitening this speech again mm-hmm. and again and again, like an endless cycle. Yeah. And yeah, just the final declarative line, all this indifference is a different rage. So there's no definite answer and yeah. you're just left with more questions mm. like it's neither the triumph of the present writer nor just resigning himself to uh, fate or whatever right yeah. yeah I mean I think the last thing I would say about this poem is that I feel like it's really a display of virtuosity because it's such a well-written villanelle the refrains are all like differently phrased in every single stanza mm. yeah I, I, I was really thinking impressive. Though. Because I'm not sure about the, the history of the Villanelle, but might there be something about the Villanelle specifically that uh, enhances this poem in some way? Mm, maybe if maybe it ties back into the idea of... I mean, we have two huge themes, right? The agency of the writer and literary tradition. And I think those two come in quite nicely in a Villanelle. Because mm. a Villanelle is a really restrictive form, right? So that's right, where the right. writer's agency comes in. Do you break out of this form or not? How do you say what you mean within this form? And then also it is a, uh, it's a very traditional format and it originated in Europe. So that's the literary tradition part. Um, so yeah, could you put this synthesis more elegantly? Mm, I think you put it pretty elegantly already, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I have anything else to add. Um, mm. One other question I do have though is why it's named Pasiris. Is it just because Pasiris Beach? Uh, he was just vibing at Pasiris and then he decided to probably. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's my guess. Yeah, that yeah. is a very logical guess. <laughs> Let's move on to the next poem then. Okay.